Thanks, and friends, and welcome to Tavian Solutions' guest lecture presentation. So to start off, in our group's opinion, the ability to solve complex problems is an essential skill that a quantity surveyor and a project manager must possess when entering the architectural, engineering, and construction industry. These skills include the ability to develop and evaluate construction plans and manage the execution of such plans whilst mitigating the risk. So we decided to meet with well-known established industry professionals to help us prepare for the challenges that might act as a barrier in the industry in the coming years, and how we can prepare ourselves to solve these issues. Now I would like to welcome Andrew Kuhn, who is the director of Duluth Cape Town. Andrew and his team will provide their insights into how presented questions and advise us on why these problems arose and how we can help make a difference in the construction industry in the coming years. Established in 1958, the Deleu Group of Quantity Surveyors, Construction Project Managers, and Project Valuers have earned a worldwide reputation as leaders and innovators in the field. Over the past six decades, they have established a global presence and are engaged in almost all aspects of property development, property valuation, and building construction consulting. The following presentation will be pre-recorded and we would like to invite you to engage in the live polls and survey that will be available throughout the video for us to better understand your perspective on what is being said. Thank you. Hi, my name is Andrew Kuhn. I am a registered quantity surveyor. I graduated from the University of Cape Town with a degree, a Bachelor of Science degree in quantity surveying in 1987. I spent my first year working off um, my bursary I had from the city of Cape Town. And in 1989, I joined what was then CPW, Walden and Calusi uh, as a, a young quantity surveyor. I became a director of um, that company in 1997. Um, and other than evolving into Duluth Cape Town in 2002, I've been here ever since. I have quite a wide range of experience uh, in the projects that, that we've done um, over, over the years, including shopping centres, office buildings, the hospitality, hospitality industry. Uh, we represent one of the largest hotel groups in the country. We do all of their developments out of Cape Town in excess of probably 50 different hotels and um, refurbishments over time. We've done residential mixed use projects. Uh, we've dabbled in project management over time. And uh, we also extremely involved at the moment in the residential stroke retirement industry, building um, retirement villages, which comprise obviously houses, um, apartments and lifestyle centers. One of the more interesting projects that we, we were involved in that was way back in around about 2000, I was the QS um, personally involved with the development of SALT, South African Large Telescope. The SALT was, in, was built in, in Sutherland, and obviously, as you know, it's all extremely cold. There were extremely tight tolerances that had to be achieved to, to, to level the telescope, um, and um, also special measures that had to be taken to, to keep concrete from curing um, or to get it to cure in, in, the icy, in the icy conditions. Some days it was minus 15 on site 
Uh, so it was, it was certainly something very different. Coming back to, to it, I'm sitting here, it might actually be on, on your right or your left, I'm not quite sure which way the photograph is, but the guy with the grey beard is Dave Askew, he's, he's got more than 25 years worth of experience in, um, in the construction industry, both in as a quantity surveyor, both from a, um, as a contractor's QS and, and more recently now, for the last 12 years as a, as a professional QS, and Ryan Hegarty, who's graduated, he's got four years graduate experience. So, we're trying to bring a broad base of, of ideas to the discussions and the discussion points that you've raised. The first one being the status of the current construction industry. If I may just kick off on that, I think I think that we still it's still in a dire strait. Um, we, we we it's not coming it's not coming soon. It's, it's an industry that's really created out of demand, um, and there's not too much of that if you consider that. With the new work from home considerations, all the fact that there, there are plenty of empty office buildings, there's no real demand right now for, for new office buildings or for refurbing office buildings. The talk would be, well, old office buildings could be refurbed into uh, residential accommodation, but there needs to be demand for, for, for that as well. So from that point of view, I think the hospitality side, uh, which is the, the hotel work that, that we were doing, uh, that has certainly slowed down considerably. It's come to a dead, a dead stop, actually. Um, and there's no real interest at this stage. I think hotel groups will be trying to kind of help their balance sheets even along out of now opening up out of the pandemic before they start looking at, at new builds construction. And uh, we are, in the, and the retirement side is, is still muddling along. That's with our uh, retirement villages that we're involved in. But albeit at a, a much slower state than, than we were before, where we were doing three or four or even five different schemes at one time, we've kind of limited to, to one at the moment, um, and it's going, it's going slowly. So there is a huge concern in the industry, particularly as, as employers, as to where, as curious as we're going to, we're going to see ourselves. Um, and we're trying all sorts of different avenues, uh, an example of which is today we, we actually submitted a tender as a design and build contractor. So the QS company is the design and build contractor. We will employ uh, an architect and engineers. We will employ uh, a building contractor to provide a product for a client. So um, it's not something we've, we've ever done before. It was a fairly significant amount of work that had to go in it, all at risk. Um, but we've done it and we'll, we'll see where we go. Um, from there. Uh, Dave, I don't know if you've got anything, and Ryan, if you've got anything you'd like to add to that. No, I mean, other than the current big trend is in these residential developments, and uh, it'll be interesting to see when you reach that point of saturation. All the current ones that are in, in construction phase already, and all those that are sort of pending going ahead. So, well, that's it. Um, yeah, so that's it. I mean, we're, we're Dave makes a valid point. We, you know, we've got from from our company alone, we've probably got in excess of nearly nine hundred uh, rooms, uh, apartments in two in two separate schemes um, that are uh, the one is, is is on the market at the moment. Um, but we need to get you know you, you need to get sales before before anything's going to happen on that. So. Uh, again, it's it's demand driven. 
it's consumer driven and and consumers are kind of to my mind sitting sitting tight at at this stage they they aren't really um, getting out there in the market's not booming like it like it once was okay moving on to the the second point the skill shortage uh, in the industry i think that's a that's a difficult one from from our point of view i think certainly um they you know we see enough cvs that there are enough students um or, or, or graduates looking for work uh the question is as whether they are suitable or not is a, is a different question and that's something that we'll we'll i think we'll, we'll discuss we'll discuss further on but inherently i think in the south african context um from a point of view of labor uh from a in the within the contracting environment there's always been a, a skill shortage it's, it's very very difficult the quality of work is is getting probably worse and worse it's, it's harder to manage um and so if you say so quality is affected uh and project timelines are sometimes affected in fact one of the apartment buildings we involved with now uh is probably close to three months three months late and a lot of that is largely uh quality issues that have caused the delays so, so there the potential penalties involved we're not saying we're actually going to go there but um, it is late as the client is determined to achieve the, the right quality levels for, for the people in the apartments. Um, that's really, I mean, that's so from a skill shortage. I don't think, I think there are a lot of, as I said, a lot of QS kind of graduates around looking for work, but the level that they're at is, is bad. And I think that comes back to almost, uh, as we're saying, you only get 10 years, it takes 10 years to get 10 years experience. So with regard to the point uh, on project management and measurement technology, we in our practice have focused mainly on uh, measuring from the CAD drawings on DMX, and that gets imported into WinQS. Uh, we are aware of, of BIM, we haven't actually used it ourselves uh, at this point, but the the courses that, that we've seen on it, it's I don't think I don't think that the take up is going to be as, as quickly as as people say it's you know if, if you are going to get a bill at the push of a button, uh, it means that somewhere along the line somebody has to make a decision as to what that line in the drawing actually means. Is it if it's a cornice and you're in a an office building, what is it? What what are the specifications for every single item? Um, and that is an enormously laborious task for, I would suggest, for an architect to do up front. Um, and, and we haven't seen a huge market demand for, for BIM at, at this stage. So I think that, that if the demand comes, then people will naturally have to progress that way. But currently, our WinQS and DIMX platforms that we use allow us to achieve quite a lot um, Quite successfully, I think. Yeah, I think it offers yeah. a good degree of flexibility to, you know, yeah. to, to amend and adjust. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, also, as Andrew's saying, there's going to also be a whole dynamic shift of work. So the QS might not be doing a lot of work, but the architect will be doing a lot of work, and maybe we would have to sit with architects initially. But yeah, it's just a whole shift of the traditional way of construction, I think. Uh, clients haven't seen a need for that or even asked for that. 
uh, it's just not demanded by it. So I don't think advice to change just the yet. I think I, I, we, we did have an example where um, uh, a structural engineer had, had measured this, the, his structure on BIM and he was able to give us the cubic meters of concrete, the total cubic meters of concrete, but, but it doesn't separate it into the categories that our standard system measure by. So uh, it's a kind of against the industry norms. You know, it won't give you formwork in the levels that you, you need it to be. And it won't tell you uh, that the formwork of the soffit is for a slab that's uh, exceeding or not exceeding 250 millimeters, et cetera, et cetera. So it, I, think it's, I think it's got a long way to go before it's used on a, on a regular basis. So understanding construction technology and why is it important for, for future cases? I think you can actually get me on a on my horse about this because it's it's absolutely fundamental that the QS understands how a building is built. If you don't if you don't understand what's going into a building, how would you prepare an estimate for that? At that point in time, the, the estimate is a, a sketch plan which may only be plans and an elevation, uh, and if you're lucky, a section. Um, so if, if you're not able to know how a window opening is formed and what all is required to go into a window opening, uh, and it's, it's as simple as that, because in some stages, the, the, the quality of the graduates that come out of university right now don't know that. Um, and, and I see that as a, as a, a crazy issue when you, when you have to measure a stub stack uh, and you're measuring them in a final account and I ask you, where does that go? And you say, you don't know. And I say, well, how did you come up with 20? Because it's just crazy. You know, so there, there's absolutely no doubt that to be a proper quantity surveyor, you need to understand how buildings are working. The only way you can do that is you need to walk around building sites. You've got to watch and observe. You should go, you should even start with when you see, uh, and I'm talking about students now, if, if you, you see a house being built, built nearby, you go and ask if you could walk around, you talk to the builders, you chat to the people, you have a look and see how the details are. Because without that knowledge, there's absolutely no way that you're going to get to understand how it's built. The drawings that architects prepare are simply not at that level, uh, where everything is defined like you get for your touch at work. Uh, so, I totally agree with Andrew because when I came out of varsity, I somewhat knew a bit of technology within the industry, but I still today still learning stuff. And I find that no question is a stupid question, especially if you learn it. Um, there's some instances where we have to do cost engineering, we have to give advice to clients, and then we have to put all the components in. If you leave a component out, that changes the whole aspect of that cost engineering uh, exercise because if you leave something out, it could be shown paper that's cheaper, but then you've left the whole section out and now you have that to pay. It's like, for instance, you need to know like the change if you go from an institute to a pre-cost, we need to know what every single component goes in there because that's the cost implications, especially if you miss one thing out. Particularly as, as curious, you need to be in a position where you can add value. If you can't add value, then what are you actually? What are you actually doing? It's like crucial that that's what you know. It's fundamental to being to being a good cues. Yeah, look, and from my side, so like Andrew said earlier, uh, having quite a few years initial experience 
typical income director. Um, that was obviously an advantage in, in, in seeing firsthand how things are constructed in you know, spending an entire time on a big project. But um, I was going to say the theory of understanding or important technology or insurance drawings is one thing, but you won't, like Ryan said, actually understand really everything that's involved unless you actually have the physical experience of seeing and being involved um, on projects where you actually get exposed to see how things are being built. So. I think it happens less and less now. It certainly does, is my experience, is you guys spend less time on site than I did sure. when I was running jobs. Uh, and I don't know what that's a function of. Um, maybe it's just a more fast-track nature of, of, how, of how things are faster-track than they were then. But I recall walking around Safarine House, for example, um, spending hours there, sometimes doing valuations and stuff to do that. I think it's also which process is we we yeah. ask the contractors send us photos and they take photos of everything for like for evidence yeah. of work. So I think as you said, it's fast paced. We everything can be doing pretty quickly. Uh, but yeah, no, it's, you just need understanding technology. It's that, that's it's, it's absolutely. I mean, if you and if, and the point is, if you find it if you find it difficult to do, if it's if it's not something that interests you, is how to build and how to put together, then you. Then you actually probably shouldn't be accused, and you should. And, and I'm talking in the professional environment because obviously with QS training you can become other things. You can move into property development. You can move into project management. Although I'd argue that in project management you'd also need to understand how things are built. But for the work that we do as professional project spans, it's, it's a non-negotiable as far as I'm concerned. What is the impact of increased sustainability regulations on procurement and overall project performance? I think that in the beginning, when, when green buildings became a thing, it was considered as if there were premiums to pay to get uh, to green, what is it, level three? I think there's, there's three, four, and five, and now, and now six. six. Uh, and, and I think that, that now you can get to level four without really any significant financial impact on the project. It's really become what's good building practice um, to do that. So we don't see, I think, obviously, to get to, to something like level six, there could well be a cost implication of, of doing that. You're probably looking at something like up to 10% premium you could pay, because remember, most of those um, implications generally happen in the services side. There could be some aspect from windows and noise and shading, but it's generally related to more efficient air conditioning systems, um, using photovoltaic lighting in your for electrical systems, etc. But generally, for what's currently accepted in the marketplace, being somewhere around level four, there's not really a premium to my mind that's that's payable right now. Yeah. I think we, we yeah, we, we yeah. basically would agree on that. Also, to go to those next levels, I don't think there's no need for clients to do that because the returns is not as great as what it would be if they just stay at level four. Yeah. And there's no obligation, say, if government were to give tax returns on a green building. Um, tax I think, relief, yeah. I think that would be more suited for clients that are willing to go 
higher, but not as it's, it's not. So I think I'll just go for your standard here, three yeah. to four. Yeah. This is now um, are there improved measurement technologies but better than traditional methods? I think I think we've covered a lot of that already. I think coming back to as I say, we currently I don't think BIM is better. Uh, and, and we discussed that in our in our previous point. Uh, the traditional methods, I do think that there's an issue from my point of view with the, the traditional methods, and I'm someone who came from measuring on paper and using cut and shuffle, et cetera, as opposed to, to these things and measuring off plans. Um, and, and my thing is when, when you use DIMX and you've called up the AutoCAD drawing, you, you almost don't see the whole picture of a floor plan because you're looking at it in at a much greater scale, so you don't get a sense of of what's there. I, I would suggest that what I would like to see is a guy prints it on an A3 page, or if necessary, on an A A1, so that you can actually see how this fits into the whole building. Because you can get it can become a bit misleading when you're just looking at this tiny portion of a plan and you ticking and clicking to get areas or volumes or whatever it is that you you're busy with so that's that's really my taking it as i said i still think it's efficient um and and the beauty of of, of WinQS and dimex is as, as david alluded to earlier it's fairly adaptable for for our system so we've got it to to a stage where from doing a detailed estimate that's correctly linked you can get a reasonably accurate uh provisional bill of quantities for for tender purposes so um but it does take a bit of work to get there. Look, uh, how do students ensure job security by improving their skill sets on improving technology? I think you, you know we've all had to we've all had to to change as as time went along. I mean, I I, I didn't have a and I'm not trying to date myself, perhaps I am, but I didn't have a computer on my desk as a a graduate quantity surveyor in, in 1988 at the, at the city council. We didn't have that. We didn't have photocopy machines. When we made bills, it came off a Romeo machine where you type one piece of paper and went round and round and round and you made copies like that. So, so the technology is always going to change. We, we, we saw fax machines come and go in, in this time. And we know we don't have, but we just got rid of our fax machine the other day because there's no, there's no need for it. So, so anyone, to my mind, who wants to, you, you have to keep up with the technology that's that that's going on. I think that if BIM does get to be to be better, and and maybe there's not such a demand for QS as you're going to measure, but remember, there's a lot more to being a QS than actually the measurement. That, that that's one that's one side of it. The the other side that the computer can't do is the value engineering side, and to be able to give cost advice side. And to be able to give, uh, you know, to 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 do valuations, uh, someone there's always going to be someone who has to do has to provide that service, uh, and that the computer can't do, other than might be able to generate a bill, but it's it's not going to to do the all the work of of a quantity surveyor. I think you guys got anything? Yeah, that's pretty much. I mean, you you it's it's fundamental that. That if, if you, there are two things you've got to you've got to keep up the technology, and that and that applies going back to the discussion we had about construction technology, because that technology changes too. So you, you've got to be aware of what's changing, 
in the marketplace, what new products are out there, uh, what the potential impact of, of the costs of those products are, so that you can advise clients and add value, as I, as I mentioned earlier on. Okay, moving on to the next point is, uh, what from an employer's perspective are the key characteristics of a quantity surveyor? What should students try to improve when they finish their degree? I think, I think there are a lot of things. To, to, be, a, to be a good quantity surveyor, you, you need to, to my mind, again, you need to be an attention to detail kind of guy um, or girl. Uh, and and I, again, I'm referring to professional quantity surveying, which is the only aspect of it that, that I've been involved in um, through time. I think that that's, that that's crucial. Uh, the, the, you've got to have um, a moral ethic because there, there are all sorts of things where you could be trying to be led astray from things that could be offered to you, et cetera, along the way. So there's got to be, a, 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 you know, you need to adhere to the kind of codes of conduct of the association and the, and the council of, of quantity surveying. Uh, but it shouldn't be an effort to do that. You've got to have, for my mind, you've got to be, it's got to be something that's inherent, inherent within you um, to do that. So, so there's that, and if you keep on keeping up with technology uh, and you show an interest in what you do and it's something that you love doing, then it doesn't seem like it doesn't seem like a day job. As I said, I've, I've walked into the front door of the same building I'm sitting in uh, close to 35 years ago, and I've, and I've done that for 35 years now. So um, if you love what you do, it doesn't, it doesn't seem like that much hard work. Yeah, I suppose there's also things like Parties to relationships uh, with you know, consultants and dealings with yeah. that's a massive part yeah. of clients. David makes it very admissive me to, to, to miss that. It's extremely, extremely valid. If you're a, a doormat kind of person and, and you like to just sit in the back room and you go to a meeting and you're not really prepared to, to add your five cents worth or to, or, you know, to add value, then you're probably, you're probably limiting your um, kind of chances of advancing within a in a curious practice. You've got to be able to communicate with people uh, on every level, whether it be clients at the highest level, right down to the junior QS on the contracting side. You liaise with um, about pricing issues and site walkarounds, etc. So the, the, the communication skills are, cr are, are crucial. I'd also put in organizational skills because as a QS, you're bombarded with a lot of information and you need to be on top of that information because every single detail, as Andrew says, uh, attention to detail is important because that little detail has cost implications everywhere and you need to keep, just keep up with all the information that's thrown at you because you've got information from clients, architects, engineers, project managers, and you just need to keep on top of all of that stuff. Uh, but yeah, I think everyone's touched on a lot of yeah. other aspects. Yeah. So that brings us to the end of this. We would like to thank Andrew and his colleagues for their time and effort, and our group appreciates the provided insights. And we hope our fellow students will take away some precious and valuable knowledge from this presentation. Thank you for listening and please feel free to ask Andrew any questions you may have based on the presentation.
Thank you, everyone, for listening. And thank you, Andrew. And thank you for your team and your, your efforts. We greatly uh, appreciate it. Um, so, yeah, the floor is open for anyone to ask Andrew any questions. I see John John has his hand up there. Uh, morning, Andrew. Um, so, yeah, really great presentation, really informative. Um, my question to you is, you noted that technology or the lack of understanding in technology at a graduate level is, is quite a, an important thing to have, and you need to have a good understanding of it. Um, do you think that that needs to change at an educational point of view, in that at university there needs to be more of a push to grow the technology of the student or that fall onto an employer's role to try and grow that, that graduate um, to that required level of knowledge? Look, it's a very interesting question. I think when, when and I've only got my own experience to, to go back on, um, where it, it was an integral part of, of what we were taught at university in, in my day, it was a, um, a five-year course uh, three years were full-time and two years were part-time. So we, we worked a little bit in an office. I, I, I do think that that certainly had a, a benefit that when I did arrive into an office, I had, I had some experience. But I would see, I, I can't see that the, the university or the Technicon can, can um, not get involved in, in trying to, to assist students in understanding construction. I mean, we had one of our projects was actually following a house being built and documenting it from from start to finish. I mean, that was I think in could have even in first year, maybe second year, um, and and you know I, I I don't think I don't think you can call yourself a graduate unless unless the the, the whole system works kind of the way BCom students and CAs and um, and lawyers work, where you then come afterwards and you do your articles uh, and they do that for just about no money, while the employers now has to train you to be to, to be effective in, in your chosen profession, um, which currently isn't isn't the status. I mean, the guys come out of university and they expect reasonable salaries, et cetera, et cetera. So I, I think to answer your question, I think university should be teaching you that. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. Thanks, John John. Um, Paul, do you wanna do you wanna ask your question in person or should I just read the the message in the chat. I'll just I'll just read your read your question. Um, so Andrew says QSs are exposed to different career paths in various industries. Would you say that this reduces the concentration of QSs in the built environment? No, I don't. I, I don't think so. Look, it's, it's difficult for me to say because I, you know, I I chose my path and I. I I became a professional quantifier and, and that's kind of what I stayed. So, um, and in fact, to be fair, out of my class at that time, there are probably less than a handful of us that actually stayed in, in as PQSs. You know, most of the guys or a lot of the guys, some went to contracting, some started their own contracting companies, some went into development management, uh, some became project managers, some left completely, uh, didn't do anything along those lines. So I really only know um, quantity swing, but or, or, or being a PQS, um, but that, because it's something I've I've enjoyed so much. So, but I, I don't think that it would it would limit your profound. I think it's a it's a great profession to have because it does open up so many possibilities. 
of where you could where you could end up. You know, you can either be a PKS, you could end up working for a huge development company like Attack or or one of those guys, and you and you run projects, but from the employer side, um, the, I think it's a I think it's a it's a great thing for for a career to have so many options available to you. Okay, cool. Thank you. Um, and yeah, just to inform everyone, um, uh, Nakwana just posted the link uh, for the survey. Um, if you would be so kind to to fill that in. Um, and then there's a there's a follow up question from Barrett. Um, I don't want, I don't know if you wanna wanna unmute yourself, Barrett, or should I just read the read the message? Um, hi, Vian. Thank you. Um, I'll read out the message. Um, Andrew, thank you very much for your very informative presentation. Um, it was quite refreshing to listen to you. Um, my question would be: with the adoption of uh, BIM. Will a new standard system of measurement need to be created or, or developed to be able to work in conjunction with um, with BIM? I, I think, I mean, it's a, it's a valid question. I think that the, that the standard system has become so entrenched. Look, it, it obviously evolves a long time. So, so things may be more simplified in the way things are measured to, to accommodate um, what BIM can, can give you. Uh, so I, I see it as being a, a mixture of both, I think. I think an entirely new standard system is probably, to my mind, unlikely to happen in the next ten years. I think it would be it would be very unlikely. But there may well be another um, where we on where we on seven now. There may be an eight, which simplifies things that takes some of the stuff that BIM does into account. But ultimately, that stuff's been so well thought through as to, you know, effectively. You measure in different categories because they have different cost profiles. So you're trying you're trying to give a contractor the most opportunity to price different cost parameters for different aspects of the work. So you know that, that's not going to go away. That um, suddenly, let's take a straightforward example: that a slab is 250 millimeters thick, and that has to be separated out from one that's more than 250 meters thick because the formwork needs to be better supported, et cetera, et cetera. So I, I can't see that changing significantly over time. Um, but I think BIM, BIM will have its place. I think at the moment, BIM is largely used in like um, more management of buildings afterwards. So, you know, you get all the drawings of the building, you get uh, all the as-builds together, all the services and all of that stuff's on a computer. You know exactly where it is. You, you, you're able to identify where issues are within your building, but that's as it, that's the building as a living building moving forward after it's been constructed. That's, to my mind, where BIM is, is, is strong now. Um, and I think, as we mentioned in that presentation, we certainly haven't had pressure from clients um, or professionals, for that way, from architects to, to move into a BIM environment. Okay, great. Thank you very much. Um, just probably a follow-up question on that is, do you, do you expect... Um, increase in pressure from from clients or from professional team or from an architect um, to to incorporate BIM in the near future. Uh, I, I don't know. I, it it may well be, and I'll cross that bridge when we get there. I know that I know that you know from so, so where BIM is used in our project and is is where the engineers and the architects are all using the same platform. And that really deals, helps a lot with service coordination, et cetera, making sure that 
all your conduits and ducts, et cetera, don't intersect with each other and everything's at the right level. So it's able to identify those. And there may well be a, a, a time in future when it gets, but it's very hard for me to say when that actually will happen. Great. Thank you very much. Okay. Thank you. Thank you, Andrew. Um, Corin, you have your, your hand up there. Um, yeah, just following on from John John's question, because um, I understand the the word technology can mean many things. So in terms of students um, uh, knowing their way around WinQS and Dimex and all those, the technical, um, you know, the, the software rather part of, of, how important do you think that is for a graduate? I think, I would think that there must be some measure of understanding um, at, at that point. When, when I was referring to the technology I was referring to, and that was more construction technology and understanding how, how buildings were built. But I certainly, again, I don't think that you can come into to a QS practice as a graduate uh, in January of next year and not know how WinQS works and not know how Dimex works. Um, I, I don't see that as a... As, as something that the employer must must train you as, as uh, well, not for the unless there's a salary and you know unless we go kind of that articled route that um, accountants and lawyers go. Thanks, Andrew. Okay. Um, yeah. Is there is there anyone else that wants to ask Andrew any question? I don't see any hands. Paul, uh, you have your hand up. Um, I wanted to ask a question. Um, um, thank you for answering my previous question. Sorry, I wasn't um, I wasn't in an area to answer or ask a question physically. Um, I just wanted to ask: um, Would you say that a lack of marketing is the reason for having the skills deficiency within the industry? Because um, when I first got into this industry, or when I first got into this course, I had no knowledge of a quantity surveyor prior to coming into university. So I feel as though, in my perspective, I feel as though that is one of the reasons why there are not many um, quantity surveyors in the industry. But I just like I just like to know what you think about that. Hi, Paul. I I, I must say I don't think um, there's a lack of quantity surveyors. I don't think there's a shortage of QSs uh, to, to to my mind. I mean, I think that um, if I look at how many CVs we get. Uh, there's certainly lots of people looking for work. So I, I don't think that's a shortage. It's just to my mind, as I say, it's how it's how well-trained they are and, and what they can offer that, that's important. So, um, I mean, interesting, I, I also actually got into quantity surveying without really knowing what it was. I thought it was a land surveying to start with. Um, but but we figured it out early on. And, uh, and yeah, the, the, the story the story goes, you know, I'm, I'm here now and we thought, well, we're too far down the line to, to change. So we carried on being quantity surveyors. Um, anyway, that's, a, that's just an aside, but uh, there may, it may well be that, that the, the association needs to do more in terms of, of getting out there and, and showing people what's available, um, you know, as to, to, be, to be a QS. Uh, that, that, is, that is something I I'd almost see that the, the people that do become QS is that have, have got there one way or another, and they're either interested enough to to stay or not stay. I think I remember a few years ago, or probably 
six, seven years ago when we had a, a student who came to spend the day just to do, to see, I think he was at school still, to see if he wanted to be a QS. Uh, and we took him to a site meeting, um, which happened to get a bit fiery. And I think by by lunchtime, he said, he's already decided he doesn't. Can he phone his mom to come and fetch him? So <laughs> I think it's something you, you figure out quite quickly, you know. Um, thank you very much. Thank you very much. Okay. Uh, John, John, you have another question? Yeah, it's just relating back to my original question. Um, so obviously you said maybe like the article route is maybe what the, the QS industry should go towards in terms of a training training program. Then in terms of like the APC that we sit after three years or minimum um, through the council, in a way, what's the difference between your understanding of doing the APC and having that three-year training exercise in order to sit the APC to become your professional QS and the traditional uh, article route that you, you see the accountants doing to become a CA? Well, I don't, I mean, I, the, the APC is, is, is interesting. I think that, that what that does is it just ensures, you know, because that allows you to be a professional client that your PRQS, you can go and practice on your own. It's just making the, the, associ the association, making sure that they're not letting loose cannons out um, to ruin the name of, of, of QSing. So the, the idea of that, and I've been a, a, um, a mentor, I think for a couple of, of graduates so far, is it's really just trying to give you an all round understanding of what's available. You, you know, what you what you get at, at university is the tip of the iceberg to, to what's real in, in the real world. So it gets you from doing a, a, a viability in a course and understanding what goes into a viability to by the time you've done your APC, you've done a number of viabilities in real world conditions where maybe some of the information's not there. Maybe you've got to use a bit of gumption to figure some things out. Um, it's that kind of thing. So it, it's similar to, to that article route, but as I say, you know, you can't go there. And I, I still don't think people can come into an office and not understand how a building is built and not know how WinQS works and not know how Dimex works, et cetera. That's not, to my mind, what the what the employer should be providing. Okay. I know that I think universities moved on. They're trying to provide a much more broad understanding of things, but there is some detail that you have to have to be a to work in a PQS office. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. Okay.